Scary Stories, Part 2, The Telephone. Hello, I am Dr. Robert Ancillary, curator of the Museum of Anomalous Experience. One of the oddities we find in the exhibits in the museum is that although the fears tapped by the experiencers are often ancient, the devices that carry those fears can be surprisingly modern. I am reminded of Wolverhampton's murderous Vauxhall Astra, the extensively documented mad hairdryer of Swanton Morley, which now lives in a sealed glass case at the museum, and perhaps most memorably for me, Mevergissi's haunted laundrette, which I investigated myself. But these are all tales for another day. In addition to my role as curator at the Museum of Anomalous Experience, I am also secretary of the Wiltshire Society for Skeptical Scientific Study of Supernatural Happenings, or WUSH. And it is in this capacity that I came across this next story. This particular story involves a telephone. And I don't just mean that's how he contacted us. Although it was. Uh, or perhaps email. I forget. We've, we've all had incidents where we've answered the phone and there's been no one at the other end, or we've had repeated calls in the middle of the night from people drunkenly trying to order pizza from some supposed pizza restaurant where the caller angrily insists that they've got the right number despite you repeatedly telling him it's the wrong number. Haven't we? William Carapace is a child of the internet era. His background is of little relevance to our story, but I find myself unusually short of material. He supplemented his income as a marketing assistant by designing apps for mobile phones, one of his bestsellers being one that in response to flipping your phone in the air simulates a coin for the purposes of calling heads or tails, an application popular with referees, students of probability and people who charge a fortune for mobile phone repair. William was slightly overweight, mainly due to his refusal to eat fruit and a penchant for chocolate eclairs. Much of his art collection is downloaded from the internet. He lives alone in a flat above a jeweller's. He dislikes carpets. I would also be remiss not to mention the fact that he often wears an old trilby, despite or probably because of his friends telling him it looks ridiculous. But this is not the story of a haunted hat. That would be silly. Imagine... A drafty antiques shop in Western Supermare in February. William was killing time at a box of thimbles while waiting for his friend, when the raised voices of a nearby conversation intruded on his thoughts. This is as he related it to me. You don't get it. All closed down. Lost the lot. The house. The car. Well, I expect you'd do the same again. This was the man behind the counter, his coat pulled around him against the coal, his white hair snaking disobediently from beneath a flat cap. His customer, a man in his fifties, angrily snatched some money off the counter. And that's exactly the point. I wouldn't do the same thing, don't you see? Why would I do the same thing again? Well, if you didn't know any better, said the man at the counter. But I do know better, don't I? I know I'm not going to do it again, said the other man, and stomped out of the shop, slamming the door behind him. The shopkeeper shrugged and looked at the 1950s GPO telephone on the counter in front of him. William also looked at it, concluding it had been part of the transaction he had just witnessed, but then realised that the shopkeeper was looking at him. Such a shame to have regrets like that, said William. I suppose you don't have regrets, snapped the shopkeeper. No, replied William. Nothing? 
No, said William. So if you had the opportunity to speak to your younger self, there's nothing you'd say? No, said William. What, nothing? Nothing at all? William thought for a moment. I'd tell him not to take my advice. He looked down at the old-fashioned telephone on the desk. Have you seen this GPO phone? asked the shopkeeper. I'd advise you not to buy it. How much? Twenty quid. I'll take it. By the way, that hat looks ridiculous, said the shopkeeper as William left. And so William became the owner of a 1950s GPO telephone, which sat on a shelf for five months, a guilty reminder to William against impulse purchases, before being shut in a cupboard. And that could have been the end of the story, if it weren't for the fact that it would have been anticlimactic and probably not selected for broadcast. Instead, that October, while on holiday in Malta on a reduced-price deal, £320 for seven nights, George's Bay, flying out of Gatwick with EasyJet, William received a call on his mobile. The caller came up on the screen as himself. Without thinking, he slid the button that answered the call. Hello? There was no reply. Hello? Still no reply. The caller hung up. William checked the caller ID, assuming there had been an error on the network. The call had come from his own landline, back at home. His first thought was that this was a prank, but then most of the people who could have perpetrated it were here in Malta with him. None of them gave any signs that they were in on it. None of them reacted particularly to the call, and no one asked about it later in the day. He decided to do nothing, thinking that this was the best way to flush out the pranksters. But in reality, the fact he'd received a call from his own phone began to play on his mind. As soon as he was alone, he rang his landline. It rang for a short while. No one answered. William hung up. He sat on his bed in his hotel room. No one had answered. It seemed logical to conclude from this that there was no one there but there could have been someone there. He had the odd sensation of someone standing in his flat, staring at his phone. Only in his imagination it wasn't his normal cordless handset. It was the old GPO Bakelite phone. Somehow it was more vivid than his imagination, yet not as distinct as a memory, like viewing a clip on a YouTube window that's too small. He redialed the number. He would let it ring through to the answer phone, take that as assurance that nothing was wrong, and then put the odd events of the day to the back of his mind. The phone rang again, once, twice, three times, four times. On the fourth time, someone answered. Hello, said William. There was no reply, but an odd effect, a quirk of the electronics. His own voice echoed back to him down the phone after a short delay. Hello, it said. Hello, said William. Hello, said the voice. William hung up. The thought of the call haunted him for the remainder of his holiday. He was distant from his friends, present in body but not in mind. His friends didn't notice much of a difference. In quiet moments, he could hear a sound, a quiet, distant clicking, like someone far away running a stick down a short length of metal railing. The final call came just as he was about to board the plane home. He looked at the phone, almost let it go to answer phone, but something made him swipe the screen to listen to it. Before he could speak, a terrible, distorted voice spoke to him, an unearthly sound that was barely human speech. Don't connect the old phone, it said. 
William returned from his holiday and was dropped off outside his building by a taxi. He made his way up the stairs, the soft, thumping noise of his feet on the carpeted stairs somehow louder than normal. He put his key in the lock and held it there for a couple of seconds before turning it and letting himself in. Inside, everything was as he had left it. The opened letters in a pile on the table, the remote controls in a pile on the floor, the biscuit crumbs on the sofa. Everything was uncannily, strangely, exactly how he had left it. Every detail. Not a thing out of place. Almost as if someone had taken everything out and then obsessively replaced each item with infinite care in exactly the same position. He looked around, his mind desperate to find something amiss, something, just one tiny detail, that would precipitate out the panic that was unaccountably building inside him. But there was nothing. He opened the cupboard where the old-fashioned phone was stored. It was still there, sitting there, perfectly still, its dull black-brown surface sulkily refusing to reflect any light. As someone who had defiantly ignored other people's advice, William was now faced with a dilemma. He had had no intention of ever using the phone for its intended purpose, or really of buying it in the first place, but here, out of the blue, he had received a phone call, apparently from his own house, telling him, firmly, not to connect the phone. William closed the door. The following day, after a sleepless night, he plugged the telephone in. It was shortly after this that William contacted me through whish. It was an email, I recall now. At the time, he was experiencing some strange things. Not only would the GPO phone ring unaccountably and when answered would either echo his own voice back to him or remain resolutely silent, but he was still receiving calls from his landline when out and about. His mobile would ring unaccountably in meetings, and once in the middle of a quiet scene of a theatre production. Once he had a five-minute conversation with his mother about the selection of a colour scheme for her living room that she subsequently denied having with him at all, having at the time supposedly been at Aldi. He also briefly had an involvement with a girl, which he called off after receiving calls from him in which he didn't speak. We suggested that he disconnect the phone and that we investigate further, both of which pieces of advice he, of course, ignored. It was July and a hot night, well, a hot night for England, William was unable to sleep. His thoughts were dominated by the telephone. As the temperature soared into the high teens, he was left staring at the door of his room, taunted by a faint ringing sound that would fade into the background whenever he tried to focus on it. His head swimming, William resolved to disconnect the phone. He arose from his bed and strode into the living room. He opened the door. His nerve faltered. The phone sat in darkness on the other side of the room. Invisible from the door, but nevertheless present. William took a single step into the room and was seized with a terror, a pressing, squeezing sensation about the chest and upper body. The phone, from somewhere in the darkness, rang. William instinctively reached into the darkness. His hand found the receiver, unexpectedly warm to the touch, and he lifted it. Hello, came the voice down the phone. It was himself, but his younger self... William was immediately transported back to the poolside in Malta when he had heard the strangled voice. Don't connect the phone, he said, but with the voice of someone older, someone in pain. He fell to the floor, unconscious. 
William came round in hospital. Fortunately for him, someone had contacted the emergency services. It's not known who. Shortly after this, William donated the phone to the museum. The last I heard, he was following the advice of his doctor. But he still wears the stupid hat. Scary Stories was written and performed by John Thrower for We Are Not Alone 2013. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please download Tallington, our new audio drama series, which will be released in seven weekly instalments starting on January the 5th, 2014.